I love microdosing. I love microdosing. Yesterday, I needed to go practice my drums and I popped a little microdose gummy and I'll tell you what happened. I drummed for about a good two hours. That's fabulous. Yeah. I was looking at our new roof, hoping that it wasn't going to leak and I got some anxiety about it. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a gummy just to calm down so I can go to sleep and not worry about this. And I did and I had a great night's sleep and I woke up and there was no leak. I've noticed a change in you for the, a positive change. I like to hear that. Yeah. I feel like your mood is like very centered. I'm sleeping much better. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just that right amount of good. And you can get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com promo code pants. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com promo code pants for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com promo code pants. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pants. Clap. Here, clap. Clap. Oh. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. Two, three. Pants. All right. Well, it was very satisfying to witness, so let's try it again. Oh, just yeah. Okay. So you can experience what I just experienced. One, two, three. Pants. You feel good about that? I do. <laughs> uh. Okay. I'm glad you do. Rachel told me that there's a lot of noise on my feedback. I think it's because I gesticulate with my hands, so I'm going to do my best. In fact, I'm going to sit on my hands. You're like a table pounder. You'd make a really good lawyer. <laughs> Let's not go that Let's far. Let's not go that far. Okay. But, I feel like it, I, I, but I do feel like I, uh, an Italian grandmother constantly waving my hands all over the place when I talk. <laughs> Even though you're Irish. Even though I'm Irish. All right. Well, this is episode four. It sure is. We've made, we've made it a long way together, kid. <laughs> I'm just proud that we've gotten this far. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you and I have accomplished something. We didn't just talk about it, is what I'm saying. Like, it could have been one of those things that we talked about, and then we put it off, and then there was a reason not to do it. Or Well, I, I, I think also one of our habits that we've had for years mm-hmm. is that we all... I'm looking at Banjo just staring at you right now. I know. <laughs> I think one of our good qualities, then it turns into a bad quality, is that we've always thought of a lot of ideas to do, and then it comes down to executing it, and the thought is just, it exhausts the excitement. This is my point. This is my point. But I think that's that's probably a common thing in life with most people, is right. having big ideas, but to actually do them is just a whole different world. Well, that makes me feel better, at least. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We should be proud of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> So we're doing episode four. Ooh, sorry, now my dog is... We don't have podcast studios, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I think this is... Aside from doing the episode with Mia, this is the first one we're Zooming. I actually prefer looking at you and not just doing it over the phone. I don't know how you feel. You do? I do, yeah. You're sick of this mug? No, okay. I don't see it enough to be sick of it. That's true. So we were thinking today we could talk about the in-between years. Because there were a lot of them. <laughs> There were a lot, and we spent them very differently. Yeah, that is true. And by in between years, I mean when the show ended and 
when the show came back. But to our credit, credit, even though we had all those years, you and I, our friendship, our relationship never shifted. It didn't. It just grew. It grew stronger, really. Yeah, it did. And it's it funny because, you know, it could have been one of those things where we were like, that was great. Oh, we're so close, but we're really not. Well, nine times out of 10, you'll get along with someone on set and you think, oh, yeah, we're going to we're going to prolong this this dynamic we have once we wrap. And then real life kicks in and to no one's fault it just never transpires right it starts to become like oh should we get together for dinner or it starts to become a a strained yeah 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 thing yeah and then you add the la factor where you know you take two weeks to make plans with someone and then within those two weeks (laughs) one of one of you has to cancel and reschedule and then eventually you just never do it yeah and then jobs and life and kids. Not that either one of us have kids, but... Well, I found Mo to be a bit of a child. I mean, I can't leave her alone in the house by herself. She would destroy it. So, you know, she'll go into her little crate when we leave, and you can't leave her in there forever. So so, I, we're, so we're proud of ourselves twice today, <laughs> that we maintained our friendship. And we actually sustained this podcast. I'm going to ask you, um, what was it that you were doing after the show wrapped? I'm pretty good with dates. I think it was October of 2008 that we wrapped the series. Long story short, and, and you were there, so you know this, but there was a murder mystery of some sort that was put into play in season six, the this, this season we all would like to forget. What ended up happening was Alice got a spinoff show, and it was named The Farm, and The Farm was a prison. I, I left, we, we all wrapped, went home, and then a month later I flew back up to Vancouver. It was the same crew. Eileen was the showrunner. Everything was the same, except everyone I knew was missing (laughs) in the cast. And it was a whole new cast. And Alice had been falsely accused of killing Jenny. So opening shot is me rolling up in a bus with all the other prisoners with handcuffs. And so begins the farm. And And I I'm sort of fish out of water in prison shouldn't be. Did I did I ever tell you I saw that pilot? Yes, Kate, this just happened this year. You were like, you're not going to believe what I got my hands on. And I was like, no way, because I hadn't seen it. I got to say, it was very avant-garde. It, yeah, the thing, here's the thing. What happened was it didn't get picked up. Okay, let's just start there. So No, it did not. We got to watch it recently. It was really dark. And so you think like it would be similar to Orange is the New Black or something where it was like a Piper-esque situation where I was in prison I was in this new world. It was nothing like that. It was that. so much darker than Orange is the New That's Black. That's what I'm saying. And this this predated. It could have been great. It could have been great. There were a few storylines that, you know, needed to be flushed out. Maybe one or two people could yeah. you could have lost. But it was trying to be more like Oz than a comedy. Good, good comparison. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Right. So, you know, I get it. I get why it didn't go. I think the idea was clever, I guess. So... But anyway, that's what I did. And <laughs> and then I was I was on hold for I think it was like 7 months. I couldn't audition for anything else or do anything while I was waiting to hear about this. So that ended up setting off a really bad like trajectory for my <laughs> for my career coming off the show is that I missed the opportunities I could have maybe had to go on to something else. No, but then you went on a tour. Well, that you yeah, were doing so then music. I had well then I had to figure it out. Then I had so, – so basically I missed the entire pilot season. You guys all jumped onto other shows. I took a risk with this pilot that didn't go. And then a whole other year went by before I was able to audition for stuff. So, so I, was in a, I was in a band and, and we went on tour. And I was like, well, let's do that. Whereas I jumped onto a network show. 
that was night and day. I mean, night and day from the experience that I had for the previous six, seven years. I know I came to visit you on set and you had a wig on. Did you? You don't remember that? Oh, God, yeah. The wig was the, wig was the least of it. Well, I know, but I just had to bring it up. So. <laughs> <laughs> the wig was a blessing and a curse. Uh-huh. But just the, the politics of it were so vastly different from the experience we had. And Well, tell everyone what you were on. It was a magical little show <laughs> called Three Rivers. It was at the time, I think ER had just gone off the air. So everyone's just trying to find the next ER. The new ER, yeah. And, and this was one of the options. Somehow it got picked up to series. <laughs> you played a doctor, weren't you? A yeah, I played a I played a doctor, neurosurgeon or something. Uh, no, a um, a transplant. It was about transplant doctors. It was what were you? for a big, you know, a big network. Just the the machine of it all was so oh. so insanely different from what I experienced, and I quickly realized that we were so blessed. How lucky you had been. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. we that we were you know given a platform to voice our ideas and our concerns and our opinions on storylines and character because in this new situation I was in no one wanted to hear it nobody and that's the way it usually works however I came from a very spoiled place so it was a gigantic wake-up call and the show never lasted it was on for like it was half a season and or maybe even less and then they canceled it which you know was right. probably a blessing it was like diving into a cold pool and i remember thinking but you have a job you're so lucky cuz i was out of work but it it really you know when your creative life is squandered like that it doesn't matter what you're doing it's that's not that's not okay as an artist right ever yeah. No matter what kind of money you're making or... Yeah. The one I blessing know. I remember that, that doing that show gave me was that I, I became very good at memorizing incredibly quickly. Like it turned almost into like a photographic memory. I could look at something once and have it down. What would always trip me up on that show or say... Was that the first time you had ever learned your lines? Yeah. I had to. Because <laughs> I, I remember, I'll never forget Scripty coming up to me and saying, you missed this, you missed that, you missed this. And they were little, you know, prepositions and little tiny filler words. And I mean, that's my, that's our job, right? But we were given such freedom to improvise and like feel it out and be spontaneous. And no, this was like by the book. But I got a photographic memory. And the thing that would always trip me up are these million dollar medical terms. Well, yeah, that's so hard. And I'm sure there's a lot of footage somewhere of all of my outtakes of trying to get these words out and uh, acetaminophen I remember was one of the words acetaminophen and trying to say that word for the first time out loud in in a paragraph of mm -hmm. dialogue of a bunch of other words like that as yeah. you're walking and you're in your lab coat and your wig and you know you're acting all doctorly I said acetaminophen <laughs> <laughs> doctor I'm not going to tell you again I said acetaminophen <laughs> isn't that a pill it's Advil. they would have had to have paid for, for an Advil sponsorship. Wait, is it Advil or is it Tylenol? Yeah, because Advil's two. ibuprofen. Ibuprofen, however you... See, there's another one. Uh, Who knows how to say that? Nobody. And then that show, you know, didn't stand the test of time. And so that was over. And then I kind of looked around and said, all right, well, now what? You don't remember me visiting you on set? That's so rude. I remember Rose Rollins. We shot at Paramount Lot. And I was in a golf cart driving around on a lunch break or something. And suddenly I see Rose and she's sitting. Have you been to the Paramount lot? You know, all those fake. I went. You just don't remember I was there with you. All right. But, I, but you know, like all those fake <laughs> neighborhoods and whatnot they have built. Yeah. So she yeah. was sitting on like a stoop of like one of these fake neighborhoods. And I look and I'm like, Rose. Because she did the catch, right? No. 
No, listen, she was shooting a commercial. <laughs> and I had driven through the commercial while she was filming. <laughs> so I interrupted their filming. But Rose... To- like you ruined the shot? Yes. And Ru- and Rose totally broke out of whatever character she was playing. And that was like my... <laughs> whatever character she was playing. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that commercial was oh she was selling. God. So I remember Rose, she was like filming like 500 yards away from us the whole day. And I didn't realize it until that point. So then she came to visit so, set. Because you went off of the show onto another show. And you and obviously it was a bad experience. But did you feel? Oh, hold on, let's make this clear. It wasn't a bad experience. Okay. It was yeah. just a very different experience. D- okay, okay, different. Did you feel like work was always going to be steadily available for you? Like, oh, I'll just get off this show and then I'll just get cast in another show, or or did you ever? Do you have fear? Did you have fear? I just want to apologize to anyone who might hear the gardener in the background, Rachel. I'm sorry. No, to answer your question, your mind gets used to thinking, all right, well, I'll get off this job and I'll just jump onto the next one and then the train will move forward. And after that series ended, there was a bit of a lull. I did a few little things, but for the most part, for about a year and a half or two years, it was dead quiet. Slowly but surely, I was realizing that, oh, work isn't always readily available. Right. I realized that right away. I remember you would have to, we would have phone calls and you would have to talk me off the ledge. I'm like, Kate, you don't understand. It's not that easy. I don't know. It's. I mean, we've talked about this, just sort of like the being typecast, you know, what roles were you being sent out for? Always the same. Um, and once in a while, I'd play a role that was totally different. And it was so right. um, refreshing to be looked at differently, just because you got to exercise another part of your being. Of course. So you, so you think that it, you do get typecast. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. let's call it what it is, right? Oh, yeah. Anything I was sent out for was a gay role. Everything. And I, and I remember telling the agent I had at the... T- I'm still getting sent well, out in yeah. gay roles. I still, like, I see a breakdown and the word gay is in there somewhere. Sure. Or they don't say it in the breakdown, but then you find it in the dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> and that's always a good trick, too. <laughs> a woman walks behind her and touches her yeah. shoulder. And yeah. Like, that's all you get. And, she uh. looks up, excited. That's a real <laughs> bummer. For me, I think it's odd. I, I don't understand it. I really don't. Why people look at you one way once you play a gay role. Or that I'm just... Well, no, I think that's the curse of long-form television. What is? Typecasting. We're not the only two. Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah, I don't think we're special by any means. I don't think anyone gets away from that. Um, gets to a point where, you know, you can begin to rebel and say, you know what, I'm not playing this kind of character anymore. I'm done. And good for you. But then it gets to a point where you still have bills to pay. You have a life to live. I mean, there's responsibilities. And then you find yourself, you know, taking jobs at times that you normally wouldn't look twice at. Always. But at the end of the day, you're getting paid to do what you love. It's a very strange head trip to be in. Yeah, because I had only done music before we got on the show. It was really important to me to go back to music. And I think because when I first started my first band, I was 19 years old. So to me, it was like, oh, you just do what you love and you make a living doing it because I got signed to a record label with my first band. And it was like this idea of if you follow your creative heart, if, if you just do what you love, somehow it falls into place. And I find that to be pretty much the secret to life or the secret to happiness. It always works out, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But while I say that, I hit some really dark points where it wasn't working out for me like that because I was older and I had more responsibilities, but I kept following my heart. I was like, no, I want to do music. So I would leave LA for months and months and months where I couldn't go out for parts that would necessarily pay my bills. And I just left the, even the chance of doing that. And I, and I just was like, no, I'm going to do music. And I would tour for months and, and do that. And I was very fulfilled. 
But then I'd come back and it was like a harsh reality. Like, now what? Now what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. It was it was hard. It was a, a lot of hard years. Then. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that was the recession as well. Yeah, that was fun. Our show seemed to have ended right when the recession <laughs> kicked in. Brilliant timing on everyone's part. Yeah. I feel like I was very fortunate in that regard because I did dive onto that, that network series. But once that was over, I mean, you know, I remember at times it would keep me up at night. Have you ever had a, like another interest, creative interest that you thought... Oh, I could do that. I mean, you DJed for a while. I still that do. to be fulfilling. I, I still do. Yeah. But that activates one part of my brain that performing doesn't. And I wouldn't want to have that be my ongoing day-to-day life. What does it activate? What part of your brain? What do you, what do you like about it? I like that it's a bit of a solo sport. I like that I get to um, fully rely on myself to mm. put something together and not have to wait for another person to bounce it back to me. And I kind of get to live in my head a little bit when I do it. Does that make sense? That's what I, it makes complete. So that's what I get from painting. Nobody, nobody else is involved. It's all in your own yeah. time. The outcome is all on your shoulders. It's, it's like it's like how Rachel, when we asked Rachel, because, you know, again, Rachel Shelley is producing and editing this this podcast of ours. It's hard to find an editor, right? You got to find someone who can like take the time to edit. And Rachel genuinely enjoys it and we asked her once what was it that she liked because a lot of people seem to find it to be a bit of a chore and she said oh it's like putting a puzzle together and that's how I feel about putting music together it's like a puzzle Mm -hmm. and sometimes two things that you that have nothing to do with each other work beautifully that's great and it's so satisfying to hear audibly and I'm sure painting is something similar but I couldn't DJ on a day-to-day I respect anyone who does I'd be deaf within a week right <laughs> I don't like being up too late I don't drink I'm not into the club scene I just like playing music but you still do it yeah at home, right yeah I have my setup right behind me that I that I dick around on yeah. now yeah nobody can do anything because of this world we're in so what would you looking back on mm. the 10 years is there anything that sticks out in your mind that you would mm. not repeat something you learned that you wish not you know I'm not into regret more like um did you learn something that you think maybe you would do differently or maybe make sure you don't do again? Don't take anything for granted. Ever. I think is a big lesson ever. Do you think you did? You think you took it for granted? I think we all did at certain point. Wait, or what did you take for granted, I guess? I think I think I think everyone took it for granted at certain points. I didn't. I felt like I fell into a pot of honey and I looked around like whoever didn't see it that way I didn't understand it was the greatest thing in the world to me we were around friends we were on something that was so much fun to create together we got to live in a different city we 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 got paid to do it. it was- no, it was a it was a pot of honey for sure. I would never disagree on that. But you know, like it, it's within moments. It's not some big feeling of ingratitude. It, you know, you get irritated by little things. Oh, I see. Yeah. You know that like feel like it's the the end of the world in the moment, and you look back and you're like, that was so insignificant and stupid, and and that's no gotcha. way ever going to overshadow right. <laughs> that incredible experience I had. And plus, we were in the coolest city ever. But we all kind of kicked and screamed a little bit. You have to admit, any time, you know, it got to a point because, you know, we... I mean, there were days, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, like we kicked and screamed a bit and we'd be like, oh, God, it would be great if we could just be home for a minute. Vancouver is one of the greatest places ever. How lucky were we to just be two hours north in this incredible, beautiful uh, environment? Beyond. So you, so in life today, you, you catch yourself? With what? If you're... Gratitude. Do you catch yourself? Do you find yourself like an old habit where you're feeling grumpy about something yeah of course yeah and you're like kate yeah check absolutely don't you always isn't that human yeah don't we all do that 
I mean, there are certain things that, you know, I'll always stick to. Like, I, you know, I have like, you know, I, you know, I have certain standards I like to be on. But um, generally speaking, yeah, I actually try, I try to, I, I genuinely mean this. I try every morning to wake up and be like, you know, I'm so fortunate. We really are. And I just look around and I'm like, yeah, I look at my family and the animals and, you know, and I'm like, I'm so lucky. I'm so incredibly lucky. My friends, like, yeah. What about you? Is there anything you would f- do differently? Looking back, is there anything... Are you talking about the 10 years? Yeah, or any hard <laughs> lessons you learned that you know that you're going to carry with you from, from here on out? In that 10 years, I mean, I had really hard things happen to me. I had two very important um, beings in my life die. Um, I went through grief for the first time in my life. I was out of work. I was mm-hmm. trying to, I was trying to find myself again, like in a, in a, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm always creatively driven. So it, that's not always a, an easy place to start if you're, if you're struggling, you know, I, I quit music. I wasn't acting. I, you know, I was just trying to find my way, I guess. And it, it 40 something years old, but I can't say that I would change any of it because one, you can't, you, you know, people die and dogs die and, you know, but I, I feel Mm -hmm. like I got, I got through it in a way that is probably the only way I could have gotten through it. And I, you know, it's not that I regret the way I did it. It just was, it wasn't the easiest. There were projects you worked on, though. It's not, it was stop and go, but you still worked a bit. Was there anything that stuck out that you really enjoyed doing? Or anything that you looked back on and you wished you hadn't? Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed being in a band. I love making music so much. And I, I actually, more than that, I love performing. So for me, that really stuck out. For the record, none of us ever really sat around and like watched each other's future work. I think you maybe saw like two episodes of Ray Donovan and you're like, I can't do this anymore. Right, right, of course. <laughs> But it's not like we like sat around and watch each other's, you know, filmography. Right. You're doing really great. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> filmography. Put it in the Criterion collection. <laughs> do you want to answer some questions? Oh, my God. Yes. All right. So, Rachel, do you want to read the questions for us? And uh, Yeah, sure. We can answer them. So this first one is for you, Kate. You mentioned before about being Irish. Simone from Germany asks, because of your roots, have you ever visited Germany or Ireland with your mum? Well, fun fact, I did my the, the ancestry oh. a while ago. Okay. And? 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 Turns out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, ready for this? I'm actually more. Ger- yeah, I'm actually. I'm actually more German than anything, and I have less Irish, and I have French. So my mom, I get one for my mom because I go, I go. You won't believe this, and she's like, and you know, she's seventy nine, and she's as cynical. She's never gonna believe it. Yeah, as cynical and as stubborn as they come, and I give it to her for Christmas, and I go, you should do this too, and she gets her results back, and it turns out she's also not as Irish as she thought. Uh-uh. So she's decided that ancestry is bullshit. bullshit it's completely wrong she's as irish as she always thought she was and because that's just the way it is that's just the way it is <laughs> yeah it was like a whole thing it's like it's right, one of my right. favorite conversations to bring up with her just to watch her get all iry and pissed off because she refuses to accept it that's adorable what was the question the question was have you gone to germany or ireland with your mom no i've never i my mom's been to Germany and Ireland a long time ago. I have never been to either. I do intend to go to Germany, hopefully in the next couple of years. I'm very, very curious about that place. Oh my God, they're both incredible places. You have to go. I want to. I want to. Portugal and Germany are my two, my two next stops. 
Good choices. All right, next up we have a question from Kerry. Thanks, Kerry. I love you both, Kerry says, but my question is for Leisha. I love your music. Will there be more? Fucking Carrie slammed me. <laughs> Dis. Sorry, Kate. She's I, I yeah. She's like, You're you're great and all, but I want to know about she you. She did. She's like, I love you, but not really. Leisha. <laughs> <laughs> you're great, but not really. Thank you, first of all. And you know, I gotta tell you, Carrie, I spent a lot of years doing music and my God did I have fun. I mean, serious, serious fun. I traveled the world with my best friend when I was eighteen. I got signed to a record label. Like things, things happened to me I never expected. I got to, I saw so many parts of the world that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. I had some other bands, had a great time, but I feel like I did it. I feel like I've, I've experienced everything I wanted to doing it and I feel proud of what I did. There are some songs out there that I'm like, I wish I had, those weren't out there, but they are. And you know what? I feel good. I feel like I closed the chapter. Sometimes it does sound fun to have like a one night only concert with an old band or bandmate. You know, we talk about it, but it's nothing I would ever throw myself back into it completely. That was my long winded answer. No more splinter vans for you. Thing of the past. Yeah, they're great, though. Those things are great. Kate, you're looking at me like it sounds like hell. I think touring's exhausting and I give credit to anyone who does it. It is. But when you're but when you're really young and you're like playing your own music and people are coming to see it and you're with your friends or sometimes lovers (laughs) (laughs) you know you're just you're trying you're you're seeing like you're traveling the world doing something you love like nothing beats it right it is exhausting but god it's fun all right next we have some audio please do try recording your question on your phone and emailing it to us at pantspodcast at yahoo.com like heather scott has here or vetmed11 we love hearing from you hey guys question for both kate and leisha who is your favorite marvel or dc superhero and why if you were to play a superhero who do you want to be well heather with all honesty i don't know fuck all about superheroes in dc or marvel i don't think i've ever seen any of them they're very long i do think though your arms shouldn't go to waste and your arms my should arms be a part of like yeah you've got incredible arms and they're Thank very you. superhero looking so, like, I feel like if you were in some sort of leather, not Shane leather, but like like a like a leathery, I guess it would be a black outfit, but I kind of want to throw you in a color, and your arms were, like, sticking out, and you did some sort of a special thing, I would believe it. Like, you put me in one of those outfits, and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> you know. But you could be, you could be Money Penny. Well, I think like I would be penny. like at a desk. Like the scene stealing sidekick that there would be no superhero if it wasn't for her because she's the brains behind the brawn sort of thing. Yeah, I would have to be, mine would have to be some sort of book smart. You're not, you're not coming to me for, to lift a car off a person. That's not who you'd, you wouldn't turn to me for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I did always yeah. want to play Barbarella and I don't know if she was like quite a superhero, but I feel like I hit, there was a time in my life I could have done that. It's come and gone. But I like the da na 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 and she had like big boobs and she was all like in this like little tight outfit and long hair. I could have dug that. My favorite superhero was when I was a kid was Superman yeah. and Christopher yeah. Reeves was one of my childhood heroes. I think Marlon Brando played Jarrell, Superman's father. So uh, yeah. Superman was my all-time favorite. Since Superman... I don't think I've ever paid an ounce of attention to superhero movies. I don't remember movies, that. Wow. Only because I find them very long and the story's contrived and after 20 minutes I'm so confused 
And I feel like I'm just on like a very long transatlantic flight where I can't get off. Got it. But to answer that, the irony is that I would totally play a superhero. A hundred percent. Of course you would. And if you got offered that and you were like, I don't know, like, call me. Oh, you think I would, you think I would sit there and yeah. like, you think I would sit there and contemplate that and ask, you yeah, know, does that, does that match my, uh, my ideals? Yeah, of course I would do it in yeah. a fucking heartbeat. I would play a superhero. <laughs> Give me a green screen. Let me do stunts. Yeah, stunts. Like, have fun. Yeah. Happily. Like, I, I fucking love a stunt. I love it. And I will, like, all of it fascinates me. Got I just it. don't want to watch it when it's over. I just want to do it. And then everyone else can watch it. <laughs> Christopher Reeves. He was Superman. He will always be Superman. In the original L Word, you both sported fabulous spiky mohawk hair while playing video games. What is your favorite game? And when will that hairstyle come back? Thanks. Max Payne. I got into that video game for a while. Oh, you know that I I cracked out on Max Payne. I you beat did the game. too? Yeah. So did I. I didn't leave the house for, what, three months? I would wake up. I would be from dusk till dawn. Did I tell you to play it? Because yes. I've never played one since. Yeah. And I must have said, Kate, get on to this. Maybe. All I know is that then the Max Payne 2 came out. And then I thought, oh, well, there goes another uh-huh. three months of my life. Let's do it. And then when I finished and beat that game, I thought I have to get rid of this this machine or my life is never is over. going to go anywhere. Ugh. God, that was fun. But, you know, I'm sure they've advanced so much. (laughs) And the mohawks, those fantastic mohawks you both had. No. (laughs) I remember that day. That won't come back on our heads. I certainly hope not. (laughs) I remember washing, I remember trying to wash that crap out of my hair after that day because Paul, our our hairstylist, had put so much goop in it to keep it sticking up straight. It took forever to get the the, the knots and and rat's nests out of my head from, from that day. Yeah. They, Remember that? Ugh. Right. You're like, hey, hey, everyone. You just felt like an idiot wandering around with that hairstyle all day I long. I do. Yeah, it's like a good for a two-second laugh, and then you realize you have it on your head for the next 17 hours. You're at craft service. <laughs> <laughs> Pants. Pants. Thank you for listening to Pants, a podcast brought to you by myself, Leisha Haley, and my friend Kate Menick. Please listen and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want us to keep going, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at the Pants Pod. If you like us, leave a review. I promise we'll read every single one of them. You can email us at pantspodcast at yahoo.com or you can tweet us questions or even send a recording of your question. We'll answer a few every week. Rachel Shelley is our producer and our editor over in the UK. Theme song by Carolina Parr from the band CSS. And Love Fox has done our graphics. Love Fox.